0: I think it's quite comforting to know that all around the world, different cultures are celebrating different festivals on different days. There are festivals specific to certain regions, certain countries, and even to certain towns. Whether it's a religious festival, a day of national triumph, of mourning, or a recent addition to the calendar, or even an event stretching back to ancient times, the limitless variety reflects the limitless diversity of human culture. Some festivals are more commonly observed than others though, and I guess it's always been the case. From the solstice festivals of our forebears to the myriad of harbour celebrations across the globe, it seems that the marking of the turning over of a new leaf is always a popular excuse to party. And no festival seems more popular than New Year's Eve. It's time for celebration, getting a bit too drunk, fireworks, staying up to the break of dawn, self-reflection, making resolutions, embarking on new ventures, and, for the French, it's the day you set vehicles on fire. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be looking at the origins of this activity in Strasbourg, the health impacts of the fumes put out by the vehicles, the burgeoning problem of electric vehicle fires, and the woes of the French automobile insurance industry. We'll also be looking at which cars burn best, and learning a couple of useful French phrases, I need to drive that to work tomorrow, and I think I saw my neighbour leave some fireworks in the boot of that Toyota. Could be useful if you find yourself in France on New Year's Eve. We'll also be speculating on media involvement and how the reporting of this phenomenon actually increases the problem and speculating on why it hasn't spread with French expat communities to places like Quebec or Sloan Square. So find a comfortable seat, make yourself a cup of tea, and join me for this deep dive into French vehicle burnings. But first a word from our sponsor, tennis. Tennis is a sport played with a racket and a ball. You have a net in the middle and it's possible to score points. It's tradition that the players wear white, but you don't have to. If you get good, you can serve over arm. Give it a go. Thanks to Tennis for sponsoring this episode. The city of Strasbourg was founded in 12 BC by the Romans. With a population of around 290,000 people, it holds the title of the eighth largest city in France. Strasbourg acts as an important hub for manufacturing and engineering, as well as providing useful transport connections for road and rail traffic, as well as river traffic along the Rhine. It's not clear when, in 12 BC, the Romans founded the camp that would later grow into the city, but it was exactly 2,000 years later, in 1988, that the first cars were set alight in the Minau region of the city. The practice soon spread to the other regions, and in following years, similar conflagrations occurred in neighbouring areas of the city, as well as spreading to different cities across France. It's been argued that media coverage and the presence of cameras and reporters has contributed to both the spread and the total amount of burnt cars. A degree of rivalry and the ease of comparing scores has led to inter-neighbourhood competition. In fact, as a result of this, the Ministry of the Interior stopped publishing the results in 2011 and 2012, but this doesn't seem to have dampened the figures. The practice has also been spreading to other public holidays, and now events such as Halloween, Bastille Day and Fête de la Musique all see vehicles satellite. Another large instigator of match-on-vehicle violence is sporting events, particularly those involving the Phoenix Algeria's national team. One of the more diverse cities in modern France, Strasbourg has a large population of Turkish and North African immigrants, the majority of which live in poor high-rise estates. The majority of the burnings take place in regions with high immigrant populations, but sociologists such as Mikhail Viviorka don't draw a link between car burning and high unemployment or racist tensions. To quote Mr. Viviorca, this is first and foremost playful. It is technically very easy to set a car on fire than run away. Furthermore, it is not risky from a police standpoint for youngsters. Fata Bujalida, the president of a local youth group, echoes this theory, suggesting that the main culprits are 14 to 16-year-old children. Quoting Fata, they can be nice during the day, but as soon as night falls, they set alight to vehicles for no apparent motive. The local council put aside £400,000, and that number is probably higher in other currencies, for pop concerts, discos, and other entertainment in an attempt to lure the miscreants away from the cars. Unsuccessfully, despite reported high attendance. Petrol stations also attempt to stop the practice by restricting fuel sales on the evening of December the 31st, but again, it seems the arsonists are either stocking up beforehand or have access to other accelerants, because this doesn't seem to have quelled the fires. Not everyone believes the fires are lit apolitically, however. Jérôme Fouquet, a member of the French political centre left think tank Fondation Jean-Jour, makes the point that the arson of public or private property has become wound up in the French conception of public protest alongside their classic barricades and mass strikes. The fact that so many previous protests have been featured in news coverage alongside imagery of burnt out vehicles might put the idea that burning cars is a way to protest in the mind of future protesters. Some French musicians also seem to back up the fires as protest argument. Here's a clip from Sniper's 2001 album Du Rire au Larmes. For the non-French speakers, that verse translates as Because nowadays there's no point yelling, talking to walls We believe the only way to be heard is to burn cars Whether you think the cars are burnt to send a political message Or as a fun distraction on New Year's Eve It's interesting how it seems to remain a uniquely French affliction I'm personally quite surprised it hasn't spread to similarly dispossessed communities in Belgium and Germany, but perhaps an aspect of Jerome's argument that the burnings are wound up in a specifically French form of protest holds water. Another water-muddying peripheral issue is the fact that, according to the French Federation of Insurance Companies, around a fifth of these fires are actually insurance scam attempts. It's a simple formula, have the car insured above its value make sure the car is insured for fire damage and then set the car alight yourself on New Year's Eve. Blame local kids for the mischief and collect the check from the insurance company. The fines for such behaviour are rather severe and actually you can get up to five years in prison or pay a 375,000 euro fine. But the risk of getting caught is also quite slim. So people are obviously still going to do it. To get a French perspective on the issue, I went out and asked a man with the tricolore both painted on his face and draped around his shoulders for his opinion. So let's listen to that now. I'm just going to set the scene. This uh, this is in the aftermath of France knocking England out of the World Cup, and there's a little bit of copyrighted audio playing in the background. But I have a Frenchman here who's kind enough to uh, give a little elucidation on why the, the vehicles are set to light on Bastille Day on New Year's Eve. Because it's a tradition. Unfortunately, it's a tradition. You know, you have some people, but uh, I mean, it's like, I get the same in, right, in the UK, where you have people that are, uh, let's say. Uh, the poor era of France, unfortunately the tradition in France is to burn cars for the Year's And then after that, you also have people doing that, you know, to uh, to have the, insurance, the money from the insurance. So in my research, I, I, it started in Strasbourg in the 1990s, yeah, yeah, but one, yeah. one very interesting thing is that it's never spread to uh, Francophone colonies, like, uh, like yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, but Depends on the on the city. I think it's fine in some suburbs, but only in the suburbs. Unfortunately, you know, you have a lot of people having some difficulties. Economic hardships. Yeah, hardships, and it's like I mean, they don't have anything to do, so it's not a good idea. But I have to agree with his diagnosis. An unfortunate tradition, but not one I see ending anytime soon. At this point you might be wondering what's left to cover, but there's one very important shift in our car buying habits that looks set to cause real problems for the banlies. As more and more of us move to electric cars, the demands on the firefighters and the risks to health from the fires become significantly worse. Here are a few facts about the differences between conventional vehicle fires and electric car fires. First off, we have the heat. Whilst the conventional car burns at around 800 Celsius, an electric car fire can reach temperatures of over 2,700 degrees. Obviously this increases the risk to firemen and nearby property, and can even cause chain reactions if a series of vehicles are parked bumper to bumper on a residential street. The harmful residue left behind in the aftermath of a vehicle fire is also more abundant and dangerous when it comes to the electric vehicles, and if the perpetrators are out to cause mayhem, it may be that electric vehicles become a priority target. Another issue is the difficulty in extinguishing vehicle fires. Once the firefighters are on the scene, a regular car takes around five minutes and 500 to 750 gallons of water to extinguish. An electric vehicle, however, can burn for over two hours whilst the firefighters are there on the scene actively trying to put the fire out and needs between 2,500 and 25,000 gallons of water to extinguish. Apparently, firefighters now have to be given accurate schematics on where certain components are in the electric vehicles to fight the fires effectively. And in some cases, the electric vehicles can reignite themselves hours, days, or even weeks after the initial fire is extinguished, if their damaged lithium cells come back into contact with oxygen as the debris is cleared up. If we call a conventional vehicle fire a 6 out of 10 on the chaos scale, an electric vehicle fire is a definite 9. During an electric vehicle fire, over 100 organic chemicals are generated, including some incredibly toxic gases, such as carbon monoxide and hydrogen cyanide, both of which are fatal to humans. I'm not saying conventional vehicles are scented candles, but I do know which type of car I'd rather be downwind of once torched. It does seem like France is only going to have more trouble with arsonists as the percentage of electric cars on the streets rises and rises. I think it's about time to wrap things up now, but I'd like to end by giving you a few French phrases in my awful French accent, mainly because I promised them to you at the start and would hate to disappoint. To say that I have to drive that to work tomorrow, you say, Je dois conduire ça pour aller travailler demain. And to insinuate the contents of your neighbour's boot, you say, Je crois que j'ai vu mon voisin laisser des feux d'artifice dans le coffre de cette Toyota. And of course, feel free to adjust the brand of car to match your unfortunate scapegoat. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time in another episode of Totally Crucial, Extremely Relevant, Necessary Information.